Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. I'm looking forward to this timely conversation as we record this. It's been a few weeks since the 2016 presidential election that shocked the world. So I'm joined by a gentleman who's been on the show before And we talked about the upcoming presidential race back in the spring of 2016 when we first connected, and he reached out and suggested that it would be a really important conversation to take the lessons learned from the book that we discussed on the show way back then and apply those lessons and see if it has anything to do with how this race and how it impacted and how it came out shocked most people now considered one of the greatest upsets in presidential history so going to be an interesting conversation i'm joined today by bruce newman he's a professor of marketing at depaul and the author of a book called the marketing revolution in politics bruce welcome back thank you todd great to be back well it's good to connect with you i appreciate your interest in being back on the show i think this should be a really interesting conversation i uh, when we're done i'm gonna listen to it side by side with our conversation back in the spring and see if we were if we were on the right path of seeing how this thing was going to go i the election turned out differently than most people anticipated in all the polls and and i have a feeling you have an understanding as to why which is why we're going to connect on the show today before we go there however bruce take a few quick seconds tell us a bit about you your background and then why you did write that book the marketing revolution in politics well i am professor of marketing at DePaul university also editor-in-chief of the Journal of Political Marketing, now in its uh, beginning its 16th year. And it is the only journal devoted to the study of politics and marketing. And it's a subject I've been uh, engrossed in for over 30 years, written close to authored or co-authored 10 different books, spoken around the world, did a little inside work with the Clinton White House in 95 and 96, And I noticed something, Todd, in 2008 and 2012, the Obama campaigns, and I'm not talking about the Obama campaign that was run while Obama is and was president, but the the campaign that he ran as a candidate. And I noticed that there was a paradigm shift taking place in in both of those campaigns. And the paradigm shift that I saw is a revolution a marketing revolution that took place and of course that's uh, that's where the title of the book comes from the marketing revolution in politics and the revolution is that i noticed a very astute use of big data micro targeting social media customer analytics in a way that we've never seen before in any presidential election and it spurred on the subtitle of the book which is what recent us presidential campaigns can teach us about effective marketing. I noticed that their marketing was so effective in both of those campaigns and so advanced technologically that it opened up a window that had to be shown and and made, uh, you know, try to create uh, an opportunity for the public to become aware of exactly where politics in this country 
uh, had moved to in, in a way that we really hadn't seen over the last 40, 50 years. Of course, there's been an evolution, not a revolution, but an evolution in politics, going from a production to a selling to a marketing orientation. Slowly but surely, we've moved from the political party to the campaign manager running the show. We've seen a shift of the American public, it certainly took place in 2016, away from being influenced by the party insiders. We're seeing now in politics today, and I talk about this infrastructure change in the book, we're seeing a direct distribution channel between government and citizen, and in this case between candidate and voter, in the same way that we've witnessed in the music, in the book industries, with iTunes, with Amazon, in the transportation industry with Uber, in the hotel industry with Airbnb, we're, we're witnessing a transformation across all sectors in business and profit, nonprofit and political arenas, which is what the book talks about. Uh, and it talks about what I refer to in the book as a strategic triad, where I look at the best practices in each of those three different sectors, the political, profit, and nonprofit, and show how the advances in the political sector have moved so quickly since Obama 2008 through to 2016 that there's much that we could learn in these other sectors. But the most important and interesting part of this conversation today is so what happened in 2016 and how were the, the tools and the marketing strategies that I talk about in the book utilized by Donald Trump for him to become victorious. Yeah. Well, you know, what I love about discussing and analyzing a recent election, whether it's a presidential or, or any other, is, oh, you know, when you, when you sit back and the dust has settled and you look at what happened and you begin to understand some of the behind-the-scenes machinations, things that you don't know, and when the election's going on, uh, it, it actually makes a lot of sense and becomes very easy to understand. I mean, I, I still think there are an awful lot of people shocked by the outcome of that race. But based on applying the lessons that you uh, taught us in the Marketing Revolution and Politics book, it makes it actually makes a lot of sense. It's very simple to understand in the way I, the way I'm I'm thinking about it. And and I think most people would say. This was the most crazy presidential race they could, they've ever experienced or observed. And will we ever see anything as crazy as this again? Maybe, maybe not. You could say, is this the beginning of a new, we're now going to run celebrity candidates uh, for president? I mean, who the heck knows? I mean, we'll, we'll know soon whether this was an abnormality or whether this is the new way. But I think at the end of the day, when you analyze 2016, I think it's very clear that there were some very basic marketing concepts that were not applied very well. I mean, there were great lessons. The 2008 Obama campaign was stunning in terms of how it uh, how it uh, delivered on these these lessons that you share uh, and how they executed. I I think you could say. Would you agree with me that you could boil down Hillary's loss to the fact that she didn't execute on basic marketing principles? Absolutely, Todd. I think that was a great uh, summary that that you gave of this campaign. And just to before I go into the the lessons that reveal why she lost the the Trump phenomenon 
is referred to as a micro-organization, you know, in no different way than the Airbnb and the Ubers are micro-organizations that are circumventing the traditional distribution channel. And we have this, this notion of a micro-organization in politics today that has, has helped Donald Trump to win. Hillary Clinton lost fundamentally because of the marketing microscope that we could put onto the onto the election campaign and and when we talk about marketing quite frankly in simple terms we're talking about how an organization collects data and how they transform and use that data and develop a marketing strategy from it so so what happened with Hillary Clinton is you had a gap you had a gap between the data that she collected which was very sophisticated she had social scientists and she had polling experts in no different a way than Donald Trump had them all getting their hands on the best information they could find and her people dug up what I think most would agree was very evident in the campaign and that is that there was a certain segment of uh, voters in the uh, in the country that viewed Donald Trump as not having the correct temperament to be president and is a divisive character okay so that's what their research dug up is the most fundamental reason why she's gonna win and that's what she hit on she ran a negative campaign to a great degree yes she she ran her she had positive appeals what we call you know following the marketing concept it's the most fundamental concept we have in marketing identify the needs and wants of your customers, in this case, your citizens, voters, and, and respond to that. And you know, she talked about some fundamental issues that matter to voters. She talked about a lot about families and about raising children correctly, but she didn't talk about what was angering the American people that Donald Trump put his finger directly on the pulse of, and that was the problem with jobs in this country. And it's not just the people that don't have jobs. Donald Trump understood that there was a segment of voters out there, blue-collar, white-collar, making less than $50,000 a year. These are people that still have jobs, but they were concerned that they w would not be able to hold on to their jobs. And Hillary Clinton, who looked at these people as a traditional base of customers, if you will, she took them for granted. Subsequently, she didn't micro-target correctly to some of the Rust Belt states that wound up uh, hurting her, and we're witnessing a recount as we speak right now in Wisconsin, probably going to go on to, to Michigan and Pennsylvania. She took, her, she took her customers for granted. One of the most fundamental marketing axioms is take care of your repeat customers. She didn't do that. So fundamentally, the biggest the biggest problem for Hillary is that she did not follow the marketing concept. She did not talk to people about what mattered to them, and that was jobs and security. And Donald Trump hit on those issues directly. Well, and he talked on a lot of issues that people are, are frustrated about, that are angry about. I mean, he gets ridiculed by this building this wall and keeping Muslims out. And, and But yes, he hammered uh, repeatedly on the jobs and talked about it ad nauseum to the point where he was almost mocked by his insistence on it, but I, the, he was doing, he was following the, the, the marketing concept. It was that simple. And people were angry at the elite, and Hillary 
sort of represented the elite. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that I know who voted for Donald Trump that don't like him. They, they don't think, I don't, they're not sure he has the right temperament for this. They're not sure that he's got the background and experience for this. But he still talked about what they cared about, and that was enough to motivate them. And frankly, in some cases, a lot of people viewed that vote for him as a protest against the elite, against the establishment in Washington, right? It, it was very much. And now you're talking about another lesson, and that's the development of a unique brand identity. Donald Trump very effectively meshed his message with the messenger himself. His message was hard-nosed, it was tough, it was strong, it was divisive, one would have to admit that. At the same time, he presented himself and represented a, an, a segment of voters, many segments of voters. He, he represented himself as a person who'd be tough enough to deal with the situation. He had a, he had a narrative, you know, in no different a way than a, a Tom's Shoes has a narrative. You buy a pair of shoes from Tom's and they donate a pair of shoes. You need a narrative. He had that narrative. He had that brand. He was the outsider at the perfect time in this election. You know, in, in marketing, we have various hot buttons we know we can push with customers in different marketplaces. Some people are more rationally driven and they're looking for the best high-quality product they can buy. Other people are interested in change. They get bored very easily. He was the candidate of change. He was the outsider at a time when he understood that people want to change in Washington, D.C. And he very effectively, by the way, ran a negative advertising campaign, which is another lesson, running a, a, a winning advertising strategy. He ran a very effective campaign at labeling Hillary Clinton as a dishonest politician. And this is an interesting paradox, because if you look at who's dishonest, <laughs> there was certainly enough that came out of the campaign that one could have pointed a finger at Donald Trump and said, well, he's been dishonest, too, with his Trump University and with his response to allegations. One could say, this isn't the most honest individual, but you know what? I think we have two different standards in this country for business people and for politicians. Yeah. I think we accept the fact, and that's why he was let off the hook in this campaign. We accept the fact that a business person is not supposed to be the most moral individual. But when it comes to politicians and politics, honesty is the number one criterion that people look at in a candidate. No doubt about it. And what makes this idea of him positioning himself as the outsider and anti-establishment and drain the swamp, all those things, and effectively painting Hillary as representing the elite, is, is you could almost make the case he's more elite than she is in this gold leaf high-rise penthouse in Trump Tower overlooking Central Park in New York and this billionaire who flies around on his own plane. And But he was the outsider choice. And they effectively positioned himself as that, and that was what it, that was enough. You talk about elite. He, he's elite in New York, but she's elite in Washington D.C. Yep. And and she also why she did this I don't know. <laughs> but when she stepped down from her position as Secretary of State, and before she announced for the presidency, she was giving speeches and making hundreds of thousands of dollars. So now you look at someone who's elite from D.C. taking advantage of that position. Again, something that Donald Trump very effectively targeted through his, and another lesson is his use of technology strategically. 
He had close to 25 million followers that he had an unfiltered connection with and continues to this day as president-elect to connect with those people. He didn't have to go through the traditional media to get his point across to the opinion leaders that he wanted to affect. He was able to get a message across using his tweeting. His tweeting was a very savvy advertising and a technologically driven strategy to drive the traditional media. Uh, who couldn't remember a morning, maybe I'm just a little too involved with it, so I remember almost every morning, over the last several months, where we didn't hear a news report in the traditional media about what Donald Trump tweeted that morning. So he did label Hillary Clinton very effectively as part of the elite, even though she's only, uh, you know, only worth $100 million and he's worth you know, 3 to $5 billion. So the, the, the point here, Todd, is that marketing is all about perception. It's all about imagery. It's all about branding. And it's all about the ability of these two candidates to either successfully or not state their position, communicate their message in a very effective manner. Yeah, in no different way than Bill Clinton was a very effective communicator. I think Barack Obama has not been as effective a communicator. And But now we're talking about running, running a campaign for the presidency and running the country. These are two different things. But, of course, Hillary was part of the government, Secretary of State, Senator. Clearly, she was labeled as part of that group of people that, that many citizens in this country have a distaste for now. No doubt lives. about it. All right, Bruce and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential cashes the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think next, act now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to BillWoodich.com. That's BillWoodich.com. All right, I'm back with Bruce Newman, professor of marketing at DePaul and the author of a book called The Marketing Revolution in Politics. And we're talking about the 2016 presidential race. So you touched on uh, creating a winning advertising strategy uh, right before the break. I want to go into that a little bit more. I, I think... One of the things that we'll long talk about this race is that there was a lot of discussion, particularly in the mainstream media, that there was this perception that the Trump campaign was disorganized, it was too small, didn't have enough talented political operatives. But we're also finding out now that they actually did execute very well on a, on a very simple strategy. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's the difference in this race. Well, I, as it turns out, the Trump campaign, because it was so small, turned out to be very nimble. We saw Donald Trump again engaging in another lesson, which is dealing with crisis and crisis management. We saw him firing people left and right if they weren't able to deliver what he was looking for. So he, he clearly was able to use a team 
He hired some of the polling companies that ran the Brexit campaign in Cambridge uh, in the UK. Uh, He was able to hire people that guided him in a way that allowed him to be himself. See, this is such a big, big deal, Todd, in politics, because it, it, it really boils down to the emotional connection you make between, between a politician and, and citizen, between leader and followers. It's all about emotion. It's all about allowing the candidate to be themselves. And uh, eventually, when Kellyanne Conway came on board, and led the campaign. You know, if there was a a Carl Rove or a James Carville in this campaign, it was her. Probably not to the same level that those two played a role in those other two campaigns. But she allowed him to be himself, and he loved he loved having these huge, huge events where he would gather twenty thousand people. And it was interesting. While he was doing that in the uh, ending weeks of the campaign, Hillary was getting famous uh, musicians and Hollywood stars to come and stump for her. You know, what we call identity politics, which just doesn't seem to be working anymore. So Donald Trump seems to be the kind of leader that will say what he wants to say, when he wants to say it, how he wants to say it. And I think the American people that supported him find that very refreshing. At the same time, the people that did not support him and voted for Hillary find it very distasteful. His uh, use of terminology, his aggressiveness uh, against certain groups of people, what repelled people in Hillary's camp attracted people in his camp. Well, it's funny how the American electorate, uh, I mean, it's all cyclical, right? I mean, after eight years of Eisenhower, we, we wanted to get rid of this old codger and we wanted to get young and fresh and then we elected Kennedy. And then the 60s were so crazy, we wanted to get someone who was more solid, and so we, we voted for Nixon. And then after Nixon, we wanted someone that was just kind of every man, one of us, and so we elected Carter. And But then after Carter, we needed to be stronger, and so we elected Reagan. I mean, it's just this continuous cycle. I mean, right now, American people are frustrated by these slick, polished, scripted politicians that, that dodge questions, and, and they want some guy who's just going to sit there and be real. And be just like them. And, and that's why I think people don't understand the power of that tweeting was it was they, they were almost listening to themselves in a lot of respects, saying these are the things that frustrate me. These are the things that that I like to rant and rave about when I'm having conversation with my friends and neighbors. And, and he they can identify with him. And it goes back to this idea of this being this billionaire elitist penthouse living guy in gold leaf. Being someone that people could relate to. I mean, how could you possibly even think? I mean, no one thought that was even possible. And no one could believe Brexit happened. But it's the same It's the same principle here. And as we record this, there's elections all over the globe right now where, where that Trump-ish character is, is leading in polls for the very same reasons. People are just fed up with the establishment. Now, that may swing back to a different position. So in, in four or eight years, people may say, you know, you know, we, maybe we want uh, someone who's going to be a little bit more polished. And, and you know, we were tired of W's uh, strategery commentary, and so we, we, we selected a, a very, very polished orator. It's, it's just going back and forth. It's, it'd be interesting to see how Trump positions himself in, uh, and who knows if he's going to run for re-election. I mean, we'll, we'll, we're too far away to understand that. But it, it's fascinating how that how that all unfolds. I mean, it, it comes back to one of the lessons is, is building a relationship with the customers. And, and as you said very clearly, Hillary did not. That's right. And just just to support, I agree with everything you said. He wasn't the only 
refreshing candidate out there in this cycle. There was a fellow by the name of Bernie Sanders. Mm. And oddly enough, Bernie Sanders attracted a following the way that Donald Trump did. You know, we call these movements in politics, Todd, and these movements become the emotional grease for the very issue that you just raised, and that's building a relationship with your customers. When you have a movement taking place, and and certainly one would have to argue that Barack Obama back in 2008 also responded to a movement, there is a movement that has erupted in this country, and it it was uh, obviously, it, it was pricked by these two candidates, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, having their finger on the pulse of the nation at the right time, they were able to maintain their relationship very effectively in a way that Hillary couldn't, because Hillary didn't represent a movement. Hillary didn't have an emotional connection to citizens that were looking for someone other than Donald Trump. But Donald Trump did have this emotional connection because of the movement. Bernie Sanders has this movement of young people. He's not going away, even though he's 75. He's not going away anytime soon. And in my humble opinion, I think we're moving in this country to a a three-party system that will evolve. I don't know if it'll take two, three, four presidential cycles, but with the the technology advances I talk about in my book, with this direct distribution channel that now exists in politics, with the ability of a micro-organization, which you refer to as a celebrity candidate, it makes it possible for virtually anyone to get onto the scene who has a charisma. And if you have that charisma, and you're different and you're unique and, you, and you're responding to the change that people seek, and you get onto that debate stage, there's no stopping you. Because in my humble opinion, I think Donald Trump won the Republican primaries because of his great debating skills. He was a great debater. In fact, I think most would agree that Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump in the debates, and she there there was a trend in the polls before the debates where Donald Trump was going up and she was so effective during the debates that she she you know put a damper on that trend line but ultimately in the end Hillary did not have or develop successfully a relationship with the people that wanted to support her and Donald Trump did see i did not think trump was a good debater but i was operating under the old rules that you have to have polished answers you have to you have to understand exactly how you're trying to proceed and how you're going to answer you can anticipate what the questions are going to be you can anticipate what the feedbacks and pushbacks going to be from your rival debaters but Trump, I thought he was unorganized. I thought he didn't offer a lot of substance. I thought he was all over the map. But it, it turns out that's what the majority of Republican voters who, let's go back to the narrative here, are frustrated with Washington and frustrated with that scripted standard politician. They wanted something different. And that's what he offered. And it goes back to the Kennedy-Nixon, um, yeah, the Kennedy-Nixon debates in 1960. If you, it's one of those classic stories. If you listened to the debate on the radio, you thought, oh, Nixon cleaned his clock. Mm-hmm. If you watched it on television, you were enamored by the grace and style of Kennedy. Now, let's not take anything away from Kennedy. He's much more substantive than, than I think people gave him credit for, which is one of the reasons he ultimately won an election. But it goes back to, I mean, yeah, maybe Hillary won if you were having your official boxing judges uh, point for point. But at the end of the day, she still fed the narrative that she's this Washington elite, whereas whereas Trump, you know, he had said things that we couldn't even fathom that you could get away with. Oh, I'm going to lock you up. 
Oh my goodness! I mean, people went <laughs> went nuts over that, and, and, and I, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and but that's what the people who were angry, which is what his customers are, and what they, they, they he was this protest anti Washington candidate. He, he he's even though he may have technically lost the debates on points, he still fed the narrative and 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 did what he needed to do. Todd, the rules are changing. That's for sure. I think you hit on a key point. The rules by which we judge debates, and just just as an aside, I think Donald Trump ate up, chewed, spit out each one of the rivals in the primaries one at a time until he was left standing on the stage. That's how effective I think he was. But the rules are also changing when it comes to polling and predicting the behavior of citizens. There's a reason the polls were off in this campaign. There's a reason the polls were off with the Brexit vote. There's a reason the polls were off in the midterm elections in 2014. The American voter is not judging politicians in the same way they used to. But the pollsters are using all the same formulas and modeling tools. They're not using marketing-related dimensions. I don't believe they're effectively putting into their polls the role of emotion. I don't think they're putting into their polls effectively the role of a need for change, a desire for seeking out someone who's unique and different. I don't think they're accounting for the lack of influence these days of identity political strategies that seek to influence voters with very well-known opinion leaders. I think we're in a world of social media where all that matters is what you and your friends are sharing online. I don't think the polls are picking up on these marketing-related dimensions, and that's why they're off. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you could look. I've have a, had a long career in politics, where uh, you know, we, part of our strategy was to recruit those those celebrities to come speak on behalf of the campaign and get people excited. And those that doesn't work anymore because if, look at the numbers for Hollywood. The viewership is down, and and they're not making as much box office as they used to, and people are fed up with with you know the shenanigans of these people, and they just don't take them seriously anymore, and and that doesn't work. I mean, yeah, I think you could sit there and say that that apart from the fact that I think she was not talking to the right customer and voicing and mm-hmm. talking to what they were concerned about, you could make the case that she ran a flawless campaign. I mean, I bet you there's someone who's analyzing saying, boy, they did, they checked every box. They, they did everything structurally and organizationally. They're right. They raised two X what Trump, what Trump did and mm-hmm. had organizations and get out the vote campaigns. And they did all those things probably very effectively in, in many cases, not all, but didn't matter. Didn't matter, and and that's Mm-mm. that's either exciting or it's very scary. I mean, I I, I guess the best way to close this conversation because we're we're beyond our our scheduled time is is where do you think this goes from here? I mean, the, I guess it goes two ways. One is this thing continues to dramatically change, and, and the rules continue to be thrown out the window, or is it settle back into the old routines in the next campaign? What do you think? I think the most interesting point to to make note of and to look for, Todd, as we move on from here and Donald Trump becomes president is to see if he's able to take these marketing tools, the use of big data, the use of uh, his understanding of social media, 
his ability to effectively micro-target, which Hillary did not do, his ability to have experts doing the analytics and telling him exactly what people want and, and how they feel. Let's see if he's able to use these techniques as a governing tool in a way that Barack Obama was not able to do effectively. Barack mm -hmm. Obama, many would say, was not an effective communicator as president in the way that he was as effective a communicator as a candidate. I think we have to look and see if he's able to to take this this brand that he's developed, take this following of people that he has. He's very cleverly pulling in and we we were we're witnessing him talking to one of his most fiercest rivals uh, during the campaign, Mitt Romney, into his campaign to see if he could pull a coalition of uh, Republicans together that will support him. Let's let's wait and see if he's able to be effective in his use of marketing as a governing tool. And if he is, then he's going to be a good shot at being a second-term president. And if he gets two terms in the White House, lots of things are going to change. Absolutely. Well, what we have to do, Bruce, is get you back on the show in about six months, and we'll just do an analysis of the first uh, half of the year on Trump's presidency and see you where we think that's going. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. Bruce, uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for making some time to join us and, and discuss uh, and put some understanding as to why that election happened the way it did. Before I let you go, should anyone need to contact you, how can they find you and get a copy of that book? Well, they can contact me by going, sending me an email at uh, bnewman at depaul.edu. The easiest way to get the book is to go to Amazon.com and to go uh, punch in my name or the book, The Marketing Revolution in Politics, or go to my website, www.politicalmarketing.com. Bruce Newman, professor of marketing at DePaul and the author of The Marketing Revolution in Politics, What Recent U.S. Presidential Campaigns Can Teach Us About Effective Marketing. Bruce, my friend, as always, good to connect. Uh, thanks again for making time. Same here, Todd. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. All right, it's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Bruce Newman, I am Todd Schnick. Join us again soon on Intrepid Radio. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.